Hello, this is Reverend Raymond Kaufman, pastor of the Log Cabin Community Church in Vinings, Georgia. Welcome to our podcast. You know, during the pandemic, many churches paused and weren't worshiping together, and worship looked very different for many congregations and many uh, faith traditions. But in the Christian church, you know, communion is such a a vital part of worship, and um, for our church in the Log Cabin Church, we put a hold on uh, having a communion service until this past Sunday. We decided we found a very safe way that we could offer communion and, and feel very comfortable uh, doing so. And I brought this message uh, to our congregation, and I wanted to share it with you. And the name of the, the podcast is The Many Names for Communion. So today, I wanted to talk about why we as Christians celebrate communion. How communion is looked looked upon very differently within uh, faith traditions. And then I want to talk about the different names for communion and how we look at it and really delve into what communion and what the Lord's Supper means to us as as Christians. Let's take a look at some of the common names and practices. And, and, you know, a lot of times I use the word communion, and I, I had to think this week, is the word communion even used in the Bible? And I've learned that it really depends on the translation that you're you're reading uh, of the New Testament. But I, I did a little research, and I found out the Greek word for communion is koinia. And in the Greek, that means sharing and participation. I thought, what a beautiful example of communion is that we do pause our life. There is an element of sharing one another. We share communion together as as, as believers. And we do participate in however uh, however our, our church or the circumstances find us in. At the Log Cabin Church, we have always celebrated by intention where people line up, they come to the altar rail, uh, they take a piece of bread and, and dip it into the fruit of the vine, and everyone takes communion themselves. They participate in that act. And various churches practice that in different ways. Sometimes it's passed in the pew, and there's many different ways. But the broader meaning really is with communion, it's the intimacy of Christian fellowship. You know, getting spending time breaking the bread, enjoying the fruit of the vine, is a time to reflect and to look within ourselves. And it really reminds us that we are a part of a body of believers universally. Christians all over the world, all over our our nation, all over many countries and cultures will celebrate communion in their own way, and it really brings us together. Um, some passages, the bread is mentioned first, and then the cup. Um, there's really no right or wrong way, whatever feels very comfortable. Um, and so I think that's the beauty of communion is that we can adapt it to our, to our, uh, our, our faith practices, what works best for us. I often mention communion, but a, a lot of congregations talk about the Lord's Supper. And the idea goes back to the passages in the Gospels about Jesus in the Last Supper, particularly the the Luke passage where Jesus sits down with his disciples uh, for the Last Supper, and Jesus is at the head of the table at that Passover meal, and he says to his disciples, I always won't be with you. It'll be a long time before we're gathered like we are today. And he takes bread, and he breaks it, and he shares that that brokenness of the bread is going to remind them of his body that's broken for them. And then he takes the cup and he reminds them that, you know, 
This fruit of the vine is going to remind you that my blood was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So when we talk about the Lord's Supper, it takes us back to the upper room and the last time Christ met with his disciples and, and shared communion. And Jesus was the host at that table and was the head of the table. So I love the term the Lord's Supper. Now, in the book of Corinthians, uh, Paul writes saying, hey, you have to be careful. I've heard that you're, you're not taking communion seriously and you're, you're doing this in an unworthy manner. He reminds them in the early church of the importance that this really was a sacred moment. And Paul reminds them not to partake in an unworthy manner, but to stop and examine themselves. So when we take communion, we pause and we take time to confess our sins. And to really, it's a time of looking inward of how our lives could maybe be a little better, how our attitudes can be. And so for this reason, many Christians take a moment to examine their lives and their attitudes before taking communion. Many congregations talk not about communion, not about the Lord's Supper, but about the Eucharist. And I did a little research this week. What does that word Eucharist come from? And is that word even in the Bible? Well, it comes from another Greek word, but the Greek word is thankful. You know, when Jesus broke bread, he said it's very important to give thanks. Um, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this. The word Eucharist means thankful. So when some, some faith communities talk about the Eucharist, they're giving thanks for the elements, and sometimes what is called the great thanksgiving. So thankfulness is also a part of, of communion, confessing our sins and being thankful for this moment, to realize and remember that Christ gave his body, he shed his blood, so that we can have a new life in Christ and have life with him eternally. Some faith groups talk about the sacrament. They may say the, the holy sacrament, the blessed sacrament. Um, for some Protestants, this may sound very Catholic because the Catholics talk about the sacrament of communion. But the meaning uh, is a very sacred, I mean, sacred blessing or divine grace. So some Protestant denominations use the word ordinances where some congregations talk about the sacrament, but both are very acceptable. Now, some faith communities talk about Mass, and it's a strange word for our Protestant ears to hear, but when people celebrate Mass, um, if we understand the real meaning, it's not, not out of the ordinary at all. In the early church, communion was often held at the end of a service, and it was offered to baptized believers, people who had joined the church and had made a commitment to, to live a Christian life. And so at the end of the service, the baptized believers would stay and have communion together. And others who were trying to learn their way about Christianity and this, this new faith, they, they would be dismissed. So the word um, mass really means dismissal, which would mean the mass takes place at the end of the service. So Mass comes from the ancient timing of the communion at dismissal. So it's not just a Catholic name, but it has a Christian history behind it. Some other faith communities have different ways of, uh, of marking it. They may say the breaking of the bread, the memorial of the passion, death, and resurrection, a holy sacrifice, the holy and divine liturgy, the sacred mysteries, the holy sacrifice of the altar, some people simply call it the Lord's table. 
Some congregations have something called a love feast, which is really a reenactment of the Last Supper. And it's designed to resemble the last meal that Christ had with his disciples, sometimes called the love feast. And then communion bread is often called um, the bread of angels or bread from heaven. I don't know what your faith background is, and I don't know what you've experienced in different churches that maybe you have been a part of. But I'm saying all this to say that there's no right way, there's no wrong way. There's many different approaches that are taken from Scripture and taken from the beautiful history and a cultural meaning of how we celebrate together communion and and the Lord's Supper. But the idea really is, is that we take some time to examine ourselves, to confess our sins, our motives, our actions, and our attitudes. And then when the bread is broken, we take time to be thankful. Confessing our sins, time of thanksgiving, thanking God for the gift of eternal life, the gift of a new life in Christ that was made possible by his death on the cross. Communion is a sign of a memorial of Christ who's already come and has already given so much by dying and giving his life for us. The breaking of the bread is is symbolizing Christ's body as a sacrifice for us and his atonement for our sins. And when we share the fruit of the vine, it's the shedding of Christ's blood is represented by the wine or the juice that is in that cup. Whenever you experience communion again, perhaps the next time, it might be in a variety of different places, and it might be given in a variety of of different ways. They're all very special. And I want to remind you that communion is a sacred moment. And perhaps now, maybe in your life, you've said, you know, it's been a while since I've had communion. It's okay to do communion even by yourself, to make your desk or your chair or your table an altar, to grab a piece of bread, grabbing a cracker, grabbing some type of juice. And because communion doesn't have to take place in a cathedral or a church or a chapel, it takes place within our hearts and with our lives. So may you take some time to take this holy and sacred time and apply these principles to your life, to take some time to remember with thanksgiving all that Christ has done in your life. My prayer for you is that you will take sacred moments to pause in a very busy and hectic world, pause to feed yourself spiritually, to take some time to grow, to read God's word, pray, and have time for communion, wherever that might be. My prayer for you is a wonderful week. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. And I say thank you and God.